Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Baruch Hashem. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. It's been, it's been a tough one. Yep, but I enjoy being lazy without feeling guilty. That's great. <laughs> How are the kids doing? Kids are doing well. You know, we're trying to get used oh, to this hello. homeschooling and um, just staying at home. But it's good. They're doing well. Good. Good. How was uh, it was okay. It was. It was different. It was meaningful. I said. It was with my with Barry and Hesse, and I thought it was really very meaningful. Hi, everyone. Hello. That's great. Hi, Joel. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? Is that Hello. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Sally. Hi, Dan. I read your uh, your comments on the on the show off. That was very interesting. Thank you. I saw your name at uh, Nusahari at the. Uh, yes event last night yes yes that was nice too that was nice Dan, what did you write just something for our uh volunteers newsletter since we didn't have much of a yom shoah this year right is there a way to is there a way to get um to get an email of that sure yeah amazing hi everyone Hi, Reva. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good evening. Family all well, I hope. I hope you're all good, Rabbi. Thank God. We're all doing well. Who's eating all the baked goods? Yeah, no baked goods. That's that's. that's <laughs> what? I, I'm gonna have to enjoy it myself. <laughs> Hi, Sally. How you doing, Zarks? Doing well, thank doing God. Okay, you? thank God. Good. Good. Hey, Arthur. It's good to see you. Same here, Rabbi. Good evening. Okay, so we wait. Maybe we'll wait another minute. I'll just wait another minute or two. Joel, how have you been doing? Joel, you been okay? I hope you can hear me. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? Hey, God. What's going on? Good to see you. Thanks for joining. I I I think this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> It is awesome. It is awesome. You know, when people can drive to see you, we can see you and not drive. That's right. That's right. Stay in the house, comfortable. You don't have to go out if it's raining. Yeah. Great. Not bad. Not bad. Hi, Sam. Joel, Joel, can you Hi. hear me? I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I got uh, earphones in. I'm good. Yeah. Hey, how are you doing? Is everything okay with you? With me? Yeah, sure. Okay, Relax. Amazing. Should we, should we wait another minute? Sure. All right. Sure, why not? We got a place to go. Arthur Knopf. Hey, Michael. <laughs> Do you want some? I, didn't, I didn't recognize you. I have one of the... Uh, it's been a long time. Yeah, too long. Arthur Knopf. Wow. Hey, hey Joel. How did you make it all these weeks without seeing me? It's been tough, let me tell you. <laughs> okay, I think we should just begin, and then we'll, if anyone joins, we'll just, um, we'll, we'll um, you know, give them a little bit of a background of what we're talking about. So, 
Um, I'm not sure if you have a, a chumash in front of you. It's okay. We're not going to, it's not necessary. We're going to do, you know, it's not going to be so inside, so much the inside um, um, of the chumash. If you have one, great. Um, we're going to talk about a combination of Sviras HaOmer, the counting of the Omer, and this week's parsha. because um, although, um, you know, it's been, you know, we're getting, you know, we're getting up there. It's over a third of the way done with the counting. Um, but, but um, you know, day 20, uh, yesterday was 20, but, you know, this is our first time talking about it, and there's a, there's a lot to learn from the Sviras Omer. So we're going to start with the Omer, with the counting of the Omer, and then we'll, you know, then we'll go from there um, to the Parsha. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask, as usual. Um, I would love to hear from you. Okay, so Svirasa Omer, the counting of the Omer. We start on Pesach, as everyone knows, we count 49 days from Pesach, from Passover, until Shavuos, until the holiday of Shavuos when we receive the Torah. 49 complete days, and then Shavuos is the 50th day. And there's an interesting question that's asked by many people. If we're counting down from Pesach until Shavuos, from the time of the Exodus from Egypt until they enter the land, until they receive the Torah on Mount Sinai 50 days later, then why are we counting up? One, two, three, 20, 30, 40. Wouldn't it make more sense if we would count down a number? When you're counting to something, I think the normal way to count, if you're excited about your upcoming, you know, trip on a cruise, you know, no one's going on a cruise now, but um, <laughs> if you would be, you know, it, it, God willing soon when everything's done, all the, the virus is over and you're going back on your cruise or your vacation to Hawaii or Israel or whatever, and you have 17 days until your trip. Are you gonna say, today is day one until my, of, the, of 17 until my trip? Day two of 17 until my trip? Or are you gonna say, 17 more days to go, 16 more days to go, 10 more days to go, five, two. Why is it that we count the Omer are we, and we're counting two Shavuos till receiving Torah, seems like you're, if you're excited about something, wouldn't it make more sense to count down as opposed to counting up? Joel, what do you think? Um, are we accumulating? It's like we're, 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 we're building on it a day on top of another. So we're really building up one, two, three. It's like our inventory of, of uh, well, these are, these are wisdom. This is, we're, we're growing. You know, so we're counting our, our stages of growth till we reach a level to get the Torah. Good idea. Very good idea. Exactly what I wanted to say, Joel. I'm going to repeat what you said. Um, I'm going to repeat what you said, um, just with a little bit more explanation, but that's, that's the idea that I think is a very important idea. This is not just a count, counting down. We're so excited to receive, to receive the Torah, and we're counting down every day from the time Jewish people left Egypt until they receive the Torah. But this is much more than that. This is a time for us to prepare. It's called a hachana in Hebrew is the word. Hachana is a preparation for receiving the Torah. It's not just counting down. There's so much more to it. 
we are supposed to use each and every one of these 49 days as preparation for receiving the Torah. So it's not just one um, 20, 10, 5 touchdown. It's, you know, we, we got there. It's, what did I accomplish today? What did I learn today that will help me improve and become more spiritual and closer to God that I will improve on my, in my behavior, my spirituality, in my relationship with God, in my relationship with others, which will allow for me to be ready to receive the Torah um, on Shavuos. So it's a, it's a process that we're actually trying to prepare ourselves for during this time. It's not just a count, right? That vacation, you don't need to do much to get to that vacation. You need to maybe buy a few, um, a suitcase or two, or buy your new bathing suit, but you don't really, there's nothing that you need to change in your life to improve yourself. That's not the purpose whatsoever of the countdown until the vacation or the countdown until the bar mitzvah. Here, there's something I need to do. I need to change myself. I need to improve. I need to become a better person. That's why we're counting up. Yesterday was 12. Today was 13. The next day is 14. Whatever, I'm just giving random numbers. But I am trying every day. Am I improving in something? So I want to talk a little bit about what we could improve on from this week's parsha, and specifically from Sfirasa Omer that we know about Rebbe Akiva. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Akiva, um, which is really not connected to the counting of the Sfirasa Omer. We count the Sfirasa Omer. It's in the Torah. The Torah tells us there's a mitzvah to count the Sfirasa Omer, the 49 days, from the, from the first, after the first day of Passover until Shavuos. But there's a complete, seemingly completely separate, separate, um, Seemingly coincidence, the fact that Rabbi Akiva, the great rabbi, the great Tana, who lived during the destruction of the Second Temple, Rabbi Akiva had 24,000 students who all passed away, pretty much all, it's unclear exactly if he had any more, seems like all at that time, all 24,000 students passed away during this 49-day period. And not only is it a preparation for receiving the Torah that we're counting, but it's also a time of mourning in a certain sense for the destruction of, for the death of these 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva. Why did the students of Rabbi Akiva pass away? What was the sin that they were deserving of this terrible um, tragedy to happen? 24,000 great young Torah students the Talmud teaches us that the reason why they were deserving of punishment, again, this is on their high level. We're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about people, um, people like us that, that are good, sin, you know, we're, we try to do our best. We're talking about people that were living during the time of the, of the destruction of the Second Temple, learning from one of the greatest rabbis. Some say that he was as great as Moshe Rabbeinu in his Torah understanding Rabbi Akiva. And 24,000 students died. Why? The Talmud says, because on their level, lo nagu kavad zelazeh. They did not give proper honor. They did not honor their friends 
properly. An unbelievable thing. 24,000 students died during the counting of the Omer because they were not, did not show proper respect and honor to their friends. When they were studying together, maybe they, you know, didn't care about what their, what their friend's opinion was. And they said they, you know, they only cared what they were saying. Or they, maybe they, you know, um, didn't show the proper honor on some, you know, you know, what, in many ways, as we can imagine, they did not show the proper respect on their level for each other and therefore they were deserving of death. So during this time, we are, we have, we have, it's a time of mourning. We don't listen to music. We don't, um, we don't get married. We don't get married. Um, some people don't shave depending on if they need to for business or for other reasons. Um, and it's a time of mourning. It's a time of sadness for 33 days of the 49. And it's unclear exactly which 33 days. Some say it was the beginning. Some say it was the end. Um, and we all know that on Lagba Omer, they stopped dying. It's hard to understand exactly. It means they stopped dying if they all died. Um, but it could be that there was a break in their dying. So there's different opinions about that. But the point is that they all died because on their level, they didn't show proper respect for each other. An unbelievable thing. An unbelievable thing. Rebbe Akiva was famous for saying one thing, and that thing that Rebbe Akiva said, extremely famous. Rebbe Akiva, I think it's his most famous thing. Exactly, and that's in this week's Parsha. It's on, it's um, chapter 19. There's, this week is actually a double Parsha. There's two Parshas this week. It's Achrimos and Kedoshim. So uh, in Kedoshim, the second Parsha this week, there's many different commandments that are given. And one of the commandments given is the famous, famous commandment, which is found in Parakyotes, chapter 19, verse 18. And the verse says, you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't um, take revenge. And you shall love your friend. You shall love your friend like yourself. And Rabbi Akiva was famous for saying, This rule, this mitzvah, to love your friend like yourself, is a klal gadol batora. It's a great rule. It's an extremely important law. It's an extremely important mitzvah. Klal gadol batora, one of the most important mitzvahs in the entire Torah. Kiva, 24,000 students who all died in a seems to be in a certain sense because they didn't show proper respect for each other. That's a Rabbi Akiva championed. He said, you have to love your friend like yourself. You have to show proper respect. So hopefully in a minute we'll discuss why is it that his students didn't internalize the lesson, you know, on their level that Rabbi Akiva said is that Klau Gadol This is such an important, um, you know, lesson for our life. This is important, one of the greatest mitzvahs, the most important mitzvahs. Another question I want to discuss is why is it that we're mourning something that happened thousands of years ago? Why are we mourning? We didn't know the students of Rikiva. Yes, it was a terrible tragedy, but, but um, you know, this normally we have a mourning period 
for the destruction of the temple. We have a morning period of the destruction of the temple um, where the Jewish people all were affected. The fact that God is not with us and we are in exile. We have a mourning period whenever someone in their, uh, someone's family passes away. Lo Aleno, this shouldn't be on us. That someone's parents or sibling or children pass away, then there's a time of mourning because there's a close relationship with that person. But Rabbi Kiva's students, so there's 24,000. Is it the fact that there were so many that passed away? Is that why we're mourning? Why are we mourning something that really does not have a connection to us and doesn't seem like there was any effect, uh, doesn't seem like there's any effect on our lives, unlike the Beis HaMikdash, the temple that was destroyed, that has a major effect. So even though we, it's such a long time ago, there's something that, that definitely is a reason for us to, um, to mourn. So uh, Sir Weinberg explains, Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg explains that there's extremely important reason why we are mourning the death of these 24,000 students. Ray Weinberg says that if those 24,000 students were alive and they continue to grow and become the great Jewish leaders of the time, the, remember, Rabbi Kiva, the God Lador, the greatest rabbi of the time, one of, on the, almost on the high, same level as Moshe Rabbeinu and Study of Torah, and he had his 24,000 students, if they would have continued on, their legacy would have been to create thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of students. And they would have went throughout the world being the teachers yeah. of Torah, inspiring all generations to have a connection to God and spirituality. And that was lost because of their sins. So we're not mourning necessarily their death because we don't know them. We don't know who they are. We don't feel a connection to them like our parents and our loved ones. But we're mourning the fact that if we really think about this, we recognize that their death caused the Jewish people to lose out on such a wealth of Torah inspiration for our lives. It would have been, a, you know, St. Louis would have, you know, would be just this place with thousands and thousands of great rabbis and the whole world, perhaps. If they would be alive, if they wouldn't have passed away before when they were young students, and that's why it's such an important event. That's where that's where mourning, not just their, their flaw was too great. What's that? Their flaw, the fact that they that they didn't love their fellow as yourself, yeah. and actually that that parak eighteen. There's three parts to that, but but that Hashem evidently judged that that their disrespect for each other was such a character flaw that he didn't want that to continue. Well, exactly. It's hard, it's hard for us to know exactly when God, why God judges in certain ways, um, why someone's deserving. You know, usually sometimes we say, you know, it's very hard to explain. You know, I'm, I'm talking to my, my son about, you know, he's in kindergarten, about the fact that they did not show proper respect to each other is the reason that they died. You say that there's great rabbis, and that's what, so he says, if I don't show respect to my friend, I'm going to die. So you say, no, it's because they're great. When you're a great person, so it's hard to understand. Even, you know, it's hard for a kindergartner, but it's even hard for us to understand. The greater you are, you would think that Hashem would, you, would, you know, he would say, oh, they sinned, but, but, um, but he's doing so many unbelievable things. He's so close to, do, you know, he's um, so close to me. 
and he's trying, he's doing such, such good things. But evidently, sometimes, for, we don't understand the reason, because of small sins on, on people on a high, such a high level, um, they get punished. We, this is the beginning of Achrei Mos. This week's, the first parsha. we have the death of Nadav and Avil, the sons of Aaron were killed for, you know, something that was bad. They did something without, there's, it's not clear exactly what they did. Maybe they went to the Holy of Holies without permission, or maybe they, um, maybe they brought an offering that they weren't supposed to bring, or maybe they didn't ask Moshe Rabbeinu permission, or maybe some say that they got drunk. Whatever the sin that they did was, it's not clear. The Torah doesn't tell us explicitly what they did. And what the Torah does tell us is that they were great. And they were punished even though they were great or despite or because of the fact they were great. On their level, they were deserving of punishment. So it's hard to understand exactly. But the lesson is, is for us to learn. The lesson for us, is, us for, is for us to learn that the reason why they died on their level, God, for whatever reason, wants to take them was because they did not show proper respect. Now, love your friend like yourself tells you that you have to show respect. I believe yeah, Joel. that, that Perak has three parts. It says, don't take revenge, um, don't bear a grudge, and love your fellow as yourself. So there's three parts to that, and, and I think together they make a strong statement, more so, that, more so than just... Okay, but let's say you do not bear a grudge and you do not take revenge, um, but you just don't, you don't love people. You don't have this feeling of caring for your fellow Jew. That in and of itself is an avira, a terrible sin. Rabbi Kiva saying, this is one of the greatest sins that you could do and one of the biggest mitzvahs to love your friend like yourself. And whenever you're doing a mitzvah that, that has to do with love, becomes very difficult because it's not like shaking a lulav or blowing a shofar where you just do the action. You eat the matzah and you're good. You know, you blow the shofar and you're good. You um, light the menorah and you're good. Here, this is something that you have to actually change, internalize, and really change your, you know, your, perhaps your philosophy or your feelings towards other people. Um, that's a difficult thing. And that's why maybe one of the reasons why it's such an important rule in the Torah. So, so one of the ways a person does not show love and respect to his friend is if you don't have empathy for others. If you're not, in the, in the Hebrew, it's called no ba'olm chaver. You don't feel proper, um, you don't feel the other person's burden. You don't see their pain. And you don't say, I see their pain. I want to help them. I want to be there for them. That's no ba'olm chaver. That's what we say in Hebrew. And that's, I think, the opposite of Yahafleref Kamocha. And this is Hillel, Famously said, Hillel the great um, um, Tana in the Mishnah, Hillel the great Tana said, a non-Jew went over to Hillel and said, teach me the whole Torah while standing on one foot. And Hillel said that there's only one thing that's the Torah and the rest is commentary. What's the one thing that's the entire Torah? Hillel said, do not do to your friend what you do not want, wouldn't want yourself. To happen to yourself, which is basically the opposite, you know, the negative of the Ahaftaref Kamofa, love your friend like yourself. He's saying, don't do to your friend something that you wouldn't want to do, what want yourself to do. But by the, I believe Hillel is saying, you have to see, you have to empathize with other people, you have to see what their situation is, see, you know, what they're going through, and figure out 
how can I improve, um, help that person in their situation? Now, the question is, how is it possible that, you know, Rabbi Kiva saying, Zeklal Gadol Batorah, this Pasuk in our Parsha Kedoshim, it's such a great rule. And Hillel is saying, even a more unbelievable thing, the entire Torah is just commentary to the mitzvah of loving your friend like yourself. That's the entire Torah. How is that possible? It's an unbelievable thing. Such, such significance. How is it possible? What does that say? I don't have a thought. How is it possible that it's so great, this mitzvah, that it's the greatest? And Hillel said the rest is commentary. There's no mention of God and loving your friend like yourself. There's no mention of the exodus from Egypt. There's no um, you know, mention of Israel. You know, there's no mention of Mashiach. How could it be the greatest of the great if there's missing, seems to be missing all spirituality, all connection to God. It's all about connection from one man to his friend. It's hard to understand that. It's a good question, right? So I think I, I saw this answer a while back. I don't remember where I saw this from, but I think that there's a lot of truth to this. A person that hates his friend or a person who just doesn't show proper respect to his friend, doesn't show proper honor to his friend, or if someone you know, cuts you off when you're driving and gets you really angry and you curse them out and you just can't stand them anymore, those are all examples of people that are not, perhaps, not truly thinking about God. Why is that? Because a person that has this spiritual connection to Hashem, someone who believes 100% in God, understands that every single thing that happens in my life is directly because Hashem wants it to happen. And there's nothing that a person could do to change that. For some reason, Hashem wants all of us to be sitting in our homes, you know, by themselves, studying Torah, as opposed to coming together. And for some reason, Hashem wants us to have to, you know, deal with difficult situations. It happens to be more under, you know, easier for us maybe to understand such a thing because we're all in it together. We all are, you know, suffering together in a certain sense. But there are many times in our lives that we don't understand exactly why something's happening. So when it comes to your friend and Maybe he's not your friend anymore because he's done something to you that you know you think is terrible and a tragedy. If you hate him because of it, we're not talking about someone that is truly deserving. He did something, you know, like he assaulted you or did something that you know is deserving of being punished. And you know, that's not what we're discussing. We're talking about someone that, you know, just for whatever reason you don't like the what he did or the way he acted. If you don't realize that that was because Hashem wants it to happen, then you're missing out on your belief, emunah, that everything is from Hashem. Every single thing. 
is supposed to be something that not easy, it's definitely not easy, but should come easier to us if we have the proper understanding of the, the picture of this world, that every single thing that happens to us is for a reason. So when that car is going, um, you know, is, is um, right behind me, basically on my bumper, and then speeds up, speeds up and, you know, cuts me off, I could be annoyed at him, or I could say, for some reason, that's what Hashem wanted to happen. Why should I be upset at him? Maybe, you know. Um, and if we do that, then we could say, you know, that's what Hashem wanted. But I could still like the person because he's made in the image of Hashem. He's a Jew, or he's just a person. And we have to be respectful to every single person. And another example, you know, a person says, that person is, you know, he's not so smart, let's say. So you don't have to show as much respect to them. But if you recognize that all brains and all, you know, wealth and all health and everything that we have in our lives is not because of us. We didn't do anything. Yes, maybe we went to school for training, whatever. But I'm saying what the talents that we were given was from Hashem. So that person who doesn't have that talent, I should not respect him because of that? That's saying that I don't truly believe that everything is from Hashem. It's very difficult. I'm not saying that it's easy. But maybe that's why it's such an important point for our, for, you know, it's such an important part of Judaism. Because the Abdurrahman, love your friend like yourself, is also saying, um, is, is possible, truly possible, if you recognize that everything is from Hashem. Every one of the Jewish people is all part of that picture. We're all one group. We're all one family, and we have to show respect from one for the other. other. So, so um, getting back to the counting of the Omer, like Joel told us, that we're counting and preparing every single day, getting closer to Hashem, getting closer to the fact that we're going to be able to receive the Torah, I believe it's not just a coincidence that Rabbi Kiva's students passed away during this time, but this is the lesson that we are supposed to, that we are supposed to internalize and work on respecting other people, especially at a time where everyone's, you know, stuck in their houses. So it could be easier or it could be more difficult. Sometimes, you know, you know, you could, you're not interacting with as many people, but there are people around you perhaps in your immediate family that you have to interact with. Sometimes those are the people that you need to work on, primarily work on respecting. But, other, but, but even without that, when a person goes to the store or just people that you have relationships with on the phone and all these different things, if you show proper respect, that will be something. If we improve our relationship with others, there's nothing like that in our relationship connecting to God. In relationship to Hashem. Yes, Joel. When we left Mitzrayim, we were at the 49th level. We were, we were that far below. Does that number 49 have anything to do with the number climbing up that we also enjoy? Um, I think that's, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. It's a very good point. Um, that the 49 levels of Tumah, if we would go one lower, we would be, um, you, you know, we would fall, we would be destroyed. We would not be able to 
to be able to be exiled. I can't tell you um, that I know the, um, you know, exactly why 49 and um, what the connection is exactly to the Count and the Sphera, but I think that you are onto something, definitely. Um, I wanted to tell you something. This is an unbelievable story. I'm not sure. I'm not, I read it in a book. I'm not sure though, you know, it's a, it's a historical um, story, but I, um, you know, I don't think it's true. I'm not sure. I can't imagine it's true. I'm not sure. Listen to the story. There were two, um, there were two friends, good friends, childhood friends, like the best of friends. Like they would do anything for their friends. And one's name was Moshe, one's name was Yaakov. And then as their lives continued on, they, um, they got separate, they went to different, they, you know, they went on with life and they, and they were in different towns. They lived in different cities. And there was some war that broke out, broke out between the two cities. I'm not sure if it was different cities or different countries. I imagine, I guess, two different countries. And there was a war and one of the friends, Moshe, was captured by the army of the city of Yaakov, okay? And he was captured and they, they considered him, uh, you know, he had a trial for, I don't know what, you know, what they made up some sort of, um, you know, some sort of crime that he did, that he committed, and he was, and he was gonna be executed, okay? Moshe was gonna be executed because he was, and he was in the city now that Yaakov was living in. Yaakov was on the, you know, the opposite side. So Moshe was about to be executed, and he told the king before his execution, he asked permission to go home, and he told, said, I need to go home for a few weeks, for a month, to work out my family's finances to be able to allow my wife and kids to be able to live for the rest of their life without their father being here. Can you please give me a month? I'll come back in a month and then we'll do that and then you could kill me. So the king said, that's very, I would love to do that for you, but I know your plan. You're just gonna not come back in a month. You know, you're a different, a different, a different country and you're, it's gonna be the end. I'm never gonna hear from you again. So Moshe said, I have a friend Yaakov who lives in this city and my friend Yaakov, I guarantee you, will go in my place in jail for the month. And if a month comes by and I am not back, then you could kill Yaakov in my place. <laughs> I guarantee you, Moshe said, that my friend Yaakov will be willing to do this for me because he knows I'll come back. So they asked Yaakov, the king said, okay, if Yaakov agrees, I don't care, I'll kill you know, he's, he's part of my country, but uh, as a, you know, I'll do this, I'll do this for you. Um, so trade one for one. Um, so Yaakov agreed. Yaakov said, of course, for my friend Moshe, I would do it. So Yaakov's in jail. The month goes by and Moshe is not back. They're getting the execution for Yaakov ready because Moshe did not come back. His best friend was, seemed to lie, you know, it seems like he lied to him. Did not come back. The execution's about to happen. And in comes Moshe. In comes Moshe and he says, I'm here. Yaakov, you're free. Thank you so much. You're my best friend. I am here. Um, I am supposed to be killed. Yaakov, you're done. You're free. 
But Yaakov said, absolutely not. I'm not going to let you, Moshe, be killed. You're my best friend. I can't see that happen. I'm dying in your place. Unbelievable. Moshe said back, Chas Kisholem, you didn't do anything. You weren't captured. You were just helping me for a month. And they were fighting in front of the king about who should be killed. The king, who obviously never saw anything like that, decided to let them both go free. So I don't, I doubt that that is a true story. Um, it could be it's just um, a nice lesson in the But the point is, is, is unbelievable for us to understand that you could have a love for someone so much that you're willing to sacrifice your life for the other person. That is unbelievable. I don't even think halachically, according to the Torah, I don't think you're even allowed to give up your life to let someone else, you know, to in place of someone else. So don't learn any lessons in how you should how you should act in that situation based on the story. But the lesson is the fact that someone is willing to risk everything for his friend. That is Beatharaflon. That's an unbelievable thing. Now we asked this question a few, um, in the beginning I mentioned it. So Rabbi Kiva students, 24,000 of them, great rabbis, up and coming stars, all die because they were not showing proper respect. Did they not understand what Rabbi Kiva probably said in his yeshiva every single day? Zed klal gadol Torah, this is the most important you know, lesson that we have to work on with to internalize loving your friend, and then they don't have this empathy for others, they don't show the proper respect for others. What happened? What happened? So I saw an answer to this question that perhaps when it comes to the big things, when it comes to doing a favor for your friend, a friend needs something, a friend needs a kidney, I'll, I'll give a kidney for my friend. I'll donate a million dollars for my friend. That may be something that people would do no seconds. Do to your friend like you want your, you, what, how you would want. But there's something even more difficult than that. Even more difficult than giving that kidney to your friend or giving a million dollars or helping someone with their groceries or, um, you know, um, helping, um, you know, doing big things. It's the small little things the showing the proper respect to each other, that not necessarily do you even think is not, is such a big deal. You don't even realize, if you don't think about it, you don't even realize that that's not called What do you mean? Of course I love my friends. Of course. I just, I needed to say my, you know, I, I just needed to say my Torah. My Torah is more, you don't necessarily realize if you don't think about it, if you don't internalize it, on their level, it's hard for us to talk to and understand, on their level, it's hard to, it's sometimes harder, the small little showing respect, the saying the thank yous, to, you know, to, um, and to actually listen to what other people are saying and want, wanting, to, and being there for other people, even in the small things, even in the small things, that's when we have the Kamocha is is um, is the most difficult, but the most important. Of course, the big things are are huge, but the big things that's what I, that's what most people do. 
If they see someone, you know, if they have the financial means to help someone, then they would do that. If they, um, you know, it's when it's the small things, the things that people don't even notice. If you care about someone, just like you notice yourself, when someone hurts you, when someone says something mean to you, you notice. So when it comes to someone else, you have to try to be just as careful not to pain them and show respect to them. And maybe that's why, even though they heard it from Rabbi Akiva, but they didn't realize that it was applying to them. Because of course I would do a favor for someone else. Of course. There's no question. But the small things, the small respect, would I do that? That is um, the lesson. That is something that we have to try to uh, work on. That's the most difficult, obviously. The more, you know, the more um, detailed and more minuscule it is, the more difficult it is for us to, to, to do. But that is something that we could try to work on. Okay, I just wanted uh, um, for two more minutes, just go to one more puzzle. I think that's all we have, have time for. Um, and that is going to be still chapter 19. Pasuk Lamed Gimel, um, verse 34, um, 30, verse 33, like Lakba Omer, and verse 34. And the verse tells us, the Pasuk says, Lamed Gimel, Lamed When you have a, a ger, a stranger, a convert living with you, do not, do not, um, do not oppress him. Do not pain him. You shall love a convert like yourself. Because you were Gerim, you were converts in the land of Egypt. You were um, converts and you were um, strangers in the land of Egypt. Aliens. Aliens, right. There is no Pasuk in the entire Torah that says that you shall love your wife. I'm saying you should do it. I'm not telling you you shouldn't. You should. But there's no Pasuk that says that. And there's no Pasuk in the Torah that says you should love someone who's sick. And there's no Pasuk that says you should love your son. Mm-hmm. Or, right? It doesn't talk about specific groups of people at all that you shall love. It says, that's the Pasuk we just said. You have to love your friend like yourself. There's only one pasuk, one group of people that you have to show love to. That the Torah tells us specifically, of course, to show love to everyone. I'm not, that's not what I mean to say. But there's one group that the Torah tells us specifically that we have to show love to. And that is an alien, a convert, a stranger, someone that's not in their, in their normal, um, you know, they're, they're new to, the, to Judaism or they're new to their situation, surrounding any case that you're not in your normal place, that is someone that you have to love. Why is it? Why don't you have, why doesn't the Torah say, love your wife? Why doesn't the Torah say, it says, honor your father and your mother, maybe to say, show love to your parents. Why does it, when it comes to kind of the only group that it says, you shall love? And the answer is, there is no one that sacrificed more than someone who, than, um, someone who converts to Judaism. There's no one to sacrifice more. We all know we're going to read in a few weeks on Shavuos, the story of Ruth, Ruth, who was willing to sacrifice her, her life in Moab as uh, the daughter of the king, princess in Moab, 
and, and sacrificed everything to be join the Jewish people. She wasn't even sure at that time she would ever be able to marry a Jew because at that time it wasn't clear yet if a, a Moavi woman was allowed to marry a Jew at that time. It became later after she joined the Jewish people, it became known that only the Moavi men were not allowed to marry. But um, she did not know that she, that was someone who sacrificed everything because she, of what she believed in. There's nothing more difficult than that. That's what the Torah is telling you, someone who's willing to convert. And then maybe struggling because, you know, it's a difficult process. It's, our, it's a job that we have a mitzvah specifically to love that person. You have to show empathy to understand where they're coming from and care for other people. So in this situation, I would say, in a situation like this, that we're all, you know, we're all aliens, we're all gear, and we're all by ourselves, you know, in many ways, you know, thank God we're in our community, and thank God we have Zoom, and thank God we have, you know, um, we can go to the store, but we're really, we have to recognize that we have to care for everyone and see what we could do to improve everyone's lives. During this time of Sphero, the counting of the Omer, we have to not just, um, you know, do the things that are, you know, show kindness where you have to, but do the things that are small. Maybe even some a kindness that no one will even know about. You know, a kindness that no one will even know. You don't have to make it known. It could be a kindness that no one knows. There's nothing greater than a kindness that no one even knows about because you're doing it just because you know it's right. And you know that's because, you know, give some, it could be charity. It could be, um, you know, someone that needs some, some a phone call or, or just, um, you know, taking care of something for someone there's nothing greater than that. The small things, the showing the proper respect. If we do that, that will be help us in our account of the Omer, of improving every day, showing everything. And that will be, we'll be able to fulfill Rabbi Kiva's rules, that Klal Gadol Torah. It's a great rule in the Torah. Okay, have a wonderful night. Thank you very much for listening. Um, hope everyone's well. Um, and, I, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you. I love it. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. 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 Thank you